0: Well, good morning, Valley Points, and welcome to the last day of 2023. Now, I'm sure half of you are sitting in this crowd right now going, wow, good riddance. That was the longest year ever. And probably the other half in the room are going, where did 2023 go? That's kind of where I am. It's like, where did it go? It seems like we were just back in January, but, but here we are. Uh, My name is Matthew Haney and like Pastor Mike shared, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point and we're just excited that you guys came out to join us on this last day of the year. You know, I love that opening video because it really kind of points out where a lot of us find ourselves when we get to the end of a year. We start reviewing all those things that happened in the previous years. Or in the last year? What were those headlines, those stories that, that went on over the course of the last year? This is usually where we see media groups put together those end-of-the-year reviews, right? That we all love watching and we'll probably see a lot of today. But it's also a time of the year where we tend to turn internal. And we start to look at our life story. And that's where we come up with those lists of all those things that we want to do better in the coming 365 days. Now admit it, we all do it. How many of you out here have made one commitment to change something in 2024? Come on, show your hands. Uh Uh-huh, see, I have. Well, we're not alone. Statistica is a research company. And they did a study and it showed that 53% of Americans admit to uh, committing to making one change before we head into a new year. And I bet we can all guess what are the top New Year's resolutions for 2024 are, can't we? Well, I'm going to share them with you. First one, save more money. Second one, exercise more. Three, eat healthier. Four, spend more time with friends and family. I think all those were on that video, on that list. So what makes us continue to do this year after year after year? Well, I think it's because we're drawn to stories. Now, hang in there with me. You might not see where I'm going with this, but over our time today, I'm going to share exactly what I mean there. We're captured by the power of stories. You know, we read about them, we watch them online, we share stories with each other. Why? Well, I believe it's because it's one of the most effective ways to reach someone is through the power of a story. Maybe you've never thought about it that way before. But in our time today, I hope to open your eyes and change your thoughts on the power of storytelling. You know, last week during the Christmas Eve services, I got to share the greatest story ever told with you. And it was the story of the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And I have to admit, I was really tempted to bust out my Christmas jacket again. Because I heard Pastor Eric really, really liked it so much that he had to say something about it in his sermon. So I think he was a little jealous, but I thought, no, we'll save this, you know, we'll save this till next year. But, you know, today in our time together, I want to answer three questions about stories. First off, what is it about stories that captures our hearts, that captures our attention, Second question is, why does the story that God's writing in me matter? Why does it matter in the big scheme of what God's doing in the kingdom? And finally, how can I surrender myself and embrace God's story in my life as I move into a new year where he will use it to change the lives of others? So I thought we'd start out our time today by answering that first question. What is it about stories that captures our hearts? And I thought the best way that I could do that is by, what else? A story. So our story today comes out of Reader's Digest, and it was published in 2023. And it's about a man from Chicago who saved the life of another. The story was titled, Meet the Man Who Saved a Stranger Being Electrocuted by a Live Train Tracks. Wow, just that title captures my attention. Makes me want to hear the story. Makes me want to root for a hero and see how someone is saved. Well, the story goes like this. It was a sunny afternoon in June of 2022 when Anthony Perry stepped off the train at Chicago's 69th Street Station. The the 20-year-old, who'd worked nights at a grocery store, was on his way to see his grandfather so they could go look at a car Perry was thinking about buying. On the platform, two men were throwing punches. Then the unthinkable happened. The pair tumbled over the edge and onto the tracks. One man ended up on his back, fending off blows. Suddenly, he started bucking and convulsing. The aggressor straddling him leaped backwards, bounded back up the platform, and disappeared. The other man had fallen atop the third rail, the conduit for the 600 volts of electricity that power Chicago's L-trains. As Perry and the other horrified onlookers watched, he twitched grotesquely as the current surged through his body, his head bouncing up and down on the tracks. Help him, a woman called. Please, someone. Perry couldn't just stand there and watch. He sat at the edge of the platform and eased himself down, assuming that every rail between him and the man was electrified. Perry took a few quick bounds, high-kneeing it as he'd done in high school football, until he was standing over the victim. The guy looked dead, his body still thrashing rhythmically as the electricity pulsed, his head banging against a steel rail. Perry wondered how he was going to escape the situation he had just put himself in, now straddling a deadly rail, about to lay hands on a body coursing with electricity. The train he had just gotten off was idling, thankfully. But had the conductor seen him? Was the train about to start back up again? Putting his trust in God, Perry reached down and grasped the victim's wrists. Instantly, he felt a blast of electricity shoot through his body. Perry flinched and jumped back. He reached down a second time and again was shocked. But the third time, he seized the man's wrists and forearm, and braving the shock, he yanked. The guy's body slid briefly along the third rail, coming to rest on the gravel on the outer edge of the tracks beside a concrete barricade. The man was breathing, but raggedly. Something wasn't right. Give him chest compressions, yelled a woman on the platform yelling "scrub" or wearing scrubs. Perry was no expert, but for a few moments he worked on the man's heart until the victim began convulsing. Once again, Perry grabbed him, keeping him safe from falling on the third rail. Then he heard a commotion behind him. Paramedics and firefighters had arrived. They told authorities to cut the circuit and deactivating the third rail. Perry let the professionals take over his heart still racing from the adrenaline and the electrical shocks. He climbed back up on the platform, gathered his things, and continued his way to his grandfather's house. Of all the people on the platform that day, why was Perry the only one that helped? As he sees it, he alone was not thinking about the harm that might come to him. The word I'll use, he said, is faith. Faith over fear so what is it about a story like this that captures the heart of people so much well I think a good story can motivate us can it it can give us hope a good story can be an escape from the struggles that we might be fighting in our own lives when you heard that story, didn't it immediately want you? You know, want you? Uh, didn't it immediately make you want to read the whole story to see what happened? A story captures our hearts like nothing else, and our our hunger for a good story doesn't stop there. In two thousand twenty two, the New York Times did a survey on how many books Americans read in a year, and I want to show you this because this one kind of shocked me. I thought I'd give you a visual on this, so going to get my little stack of books out here. All right. I'm going to pile these up right here. Let's see if it surprises you a little bit. The survey says that the average American reads 12 and a half books a year. Does that surprise you? I'm sitting here going, that's a big stack of books. I can't think of a time in my life where I've ever read 12 books. But obviously, since it's an average, there are those out you that, out there that read more than 12 books, like Pastor Eric. He probably reads 20. Um, but that's interesting. But our hunger for a good story doesn't stop with books. We seek out a good story in the, the TV shows we watch on, on TV. We seek out a good story in the movies we watch or the podcasts that we listen to. We seek out good stories that we we hear with each other when we share our stories with one another. An article from Melinda McCready called The Power of Story in Our Lives looks at the writings of C.S. Lewis. McCready shares that C.S. Lewis had a phrase he used when he talked about his writings and how he put stories together. He said that he wanted to sneak past our watchful dragons to be able to hit us in the heart with a story, sneaking right past our logic so that we don't have an argument that arises in us when we hear a story. McCready goes on to share that there are notable parallels between this style of storytelling and biblical teachings. When Jesus taught... He didn't usually give us a list of things to do, did he? He was usually just sharing a story. And if you want to touch someone's heart or share Christ with them, this is one of the most effective ways you could ever, ever do it. So if we know why stories are such a powerful tool to reach other people, what can we learn from them in God's word? Well, first we need to remember that the Bible is not just a bunch of stories for us to read. It's not about a list that we need to put together of things that we have to do. It is a compilation of God's amazing story and what he has done. The Bible is God's story. Writer Sally Lloyd-Jones shares this. She says, the Bible is a life-changing story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a faraway country to win back his loss. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, his everything to rescue the ones he loves. It is the most wonderful of tales that have come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is that it's true. It is a story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. So if we now know a little bit about why stories capture our attention, why is a story that God's writing in each of us matter? Well, let me start this time out by asking you a question about your story. Remember when I shared that story a little bit earlier and I gave you the title? How many of you, you know, like myself, did the title capture your attention? Made you want to hear more about what was going on in that story? Well, what about the story that God's writing in your life? And how is it capturing the hearts of others to know God? Maybe you've never asked that question before. Maybe you think that your story really doesn't matter, but today I want you to hear your story matters. God is writing a unique story in each and every one of us. My story cannot be your story. Your story cannot be my story. But this is where the human side of us can get us in a little bit of trouble. Because pretty soon we start comparing our lives with others. Pretty soon we might start trying to tell other people how to live their lives. How many of us in this this room here today have ever had somebody try to tell them what they should or shouldn't do in their lives? Yeah? Okay, now here's a harder question. How many of you in this room think that you can write a better story for someone else's life and you're trying to tell them how to live their life? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the things that can trip us up. Before we know it, we become so consumed by trying to please ourselves or please others on what we think they want us to do, that we become disconnected from the story that God is writing in our lives. Let me share a little example of this. Uh, Many, many years ago, I felt God gave me a story that I was supposed to share, a book that I ...was supposed to write. And this story was about a broken down knight. Kind of medieval story. And the knight had given up on life. And one day, hordes of enemies, darkness comes into the land. And during this same time, a white knight shows up on a white horse... ...and comes to our broken down knight and takes him on a quest to round up a group of other knights who each one possess a certain skill that our knight needs to be able to learn to defeat the darkness. And only after our knight learns all of these skills and commits to the full teachings of the white knight will he learn how to defeat the enemy. And in the story, the way God had given it to me was each of these knights that are are you know, night goes on and and goes on this quest to find, possess actually a gift of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so it was a powerful story that God gave me that really ties together with what what God is doing in our lives. And I got about six chapters into that and life started to creep back in again. I went from writing all the time to once a week, then it was every other week, then it was once a month. And pretty soon I put the project on hold. And I've never finished that book. It is something that I, I'm now feeling excited to go back and do. But that's what happens to us, isn't it? We can go through seasons where we feel so connected to God, we feel close to Him. But if we don't commit to keeping that time a priority, life. Creeps back in. And before we know it, we're busy doing the things we want to do, or maybe work takes over, or you know, there's all kinds of things that can creep back in in our lives and keep us separated from God. But we need to make time with a father a priority. We need to be obedient to the story that God is writing in us. Why? Because your story matters. Why does it matter? Because scripture tells us that your story matters. Jesus was a master storyteller. But sometimes it wasn't the story that he was telling that made the biggest impact. It was the life change that happened in people after they heard the story. That really connected people to the kingdom. Go ahead and open your Bibles right now if you want. We're going to look at an example of this in Mark 5, verses 11 through 13. During this uh, time, we see Jesus has traveled across the Sea of Galilee. He then encounters a demon-possessed man who lives in a tomb that everyone is pretty much cast out and abandoned. Mark 5, 11 through 13, we see where Jesus casts these demons out when it says... A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of some 2,000 pigs then rushed down the hillside into the lake and drowned. Now that had to be a sight to see. Can you imagine seeing 2,000 pigs running down a hillside into a lake just to drown? That's crazy. Now, as the story goes on, the owners of the herd and the local townspeople come out to see what has happened. When they see that the demonized man has been healed and they hear what has happened, what do they do? They tell Jesus to leave. Instead of celebrating the healing of the man, they become consumed by what they lost in their herd and the unknown that they didn't understand. And what did Jesus do? He said, okay. Jesus agrees to leave. But when the previously demonized man tries to follow Jesus now, Jesus does something amazing. And why does he do it? Because Jesus knows the power of a story. He knows the power of your story. He looks at the man and says, no, you stay and do what? Share your story with others. Much later in the book of Mark, we see when Jesus returns to the same land, this time though, crowds of thousands greet him. They bring their sick for Jesus to heal. So what changed in the hearts of people who had previously chased Jesus away? Well, Jesus' reputation, obviously. But I think it's also about the power of one man's story and him being willing to share it with those around him. You see, in life, we tend to to underestimate our own story. But God's word tells us time and time how important our story really is. We see another great example of this in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 12, verse 11, it it says this about a future war between the devil and the saints. Talks about the impact that our story will have on this battle. Revelations 12:11 says this: They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Think about that. Listen to that again. The blood of Jesus and the power of our testimony will one day defeat. The enemy of our souls. Now that's something that's really exciting about what God's doing in our lives, isn't it? Your story is important. What God is doing in your life is mighty. It's powerful. And it's not meant for us to keep to ourselves. So if we know that our story is important. We know that God is writing a unique story in each of us. As we look to move into 2024, how can we learn to truly embrace the story that God's writing in us? How can we truly embrace the story and allow him to use that to not only change our lives, but the lives of others? Well, you know, When we think about this, as we move into the story that God is writing, it should be a story that captures people's attention. It shouldn't be about us claiming the glory, it should be about giving God the glory and what he's doing in and through our lives. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 says this, and people don't hold a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so that the light shines on all the people in the house, in the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Now, notice what that scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say, let other people see the good things you do and give you a pat on the back. No. We give God the glory by how he's working in our lives and how we give him that glory every day in the things we do. If we're going to embrace the story that God's writing in us, though, we need to be willing to embrace the whole story. You know, in life, we tend to want to only share the positive sides and hold back the places where maybe we fall short. We want to share the good, not the bad, right? But when we only tell half the story, we tend to make ourselves out to be the hero. But when we tell the whole story, we make God out to be the hero. Because God completes our lives. He is always the light that points us in the right direction. Pastor Steve Eli shares this about when people only want to tell half the story. People miss out on the fact that it's a process that leads to a promise. We need to quit looking for the quick fixes in our lives and commit to obedience in God and what he wants to do in and through our lives. He goes on to share, when we only tell half the story to make ourselves look good, people miss out on the fact it's a partnership that leads to the promise. True life change comes when we allow allow God to change our hearts like only he can and then we commit to changing our actions. I love that. Listen to that again. Allow God to change our hearts, and then we commit to changing our actions. Now, that's life change we're changing in 2024, isn't it? The story of Paul in Scripture is a great example of this. And I want to share that with you right now. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17, we're hearing hearing from Paul. Listen to what he says. He says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Jesus Christ. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those would believe in him for eternal life now to the king eternal immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen paul was paul was willing to embrace the whole story that god was writing in his life it would have been so easy for paul just to share his stories about his time with jesus wouldn't it But in this scripture, we see where Paul freely admits his mistakes, that he was a blasphemer, that he was a persecutor and a violent aggressor. His willingness to embrace his whole story moved it from being a story of pain and disappointment in life to one showing God's forgiveness and redemption. He allowed God to change his heart like only God and Paul committed to changing his actions. And the lives of thousands then and continuing today continue to be changed for the kingdom. So as I get ready to wrap up today, and we start thinking about, how can 2024 be different? Some of us in this room right now maybe are sitting here going, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus yet. I don't know what that's all about. And that's okay. Some of you maybe are sitting in here and you're still kind of pondering in your mind about whether your story really matters. Or maybe some of you are sitting in here and you feel close to God. But you're not sure sure how to share what God's doing in your lives with others. What I'd like to do in just this last bit of time together that we have, I'd like to give you some practical tips that will help get you connected, I hope, to the story that God is writing in your life. First and foremost, as we move into 2024, commit to pray. Prayer needs to be the first place we go with everything. Pray for God to reveal how he is moving in your life. Pray for him to reveal his true love for you. Pray for him to reveal how you can share what God is doing in your life with others so that they may know Christ. Two. I want to suggest a spiritual discipline to you that maybe you've never tried before. And as we look to think about how to make changes in 2024, this one can have a big impact on your life. The spiritual discipline is journaling. There is something about writing something down and then being able to see it that helps us change our lives, helps us remember something. I want to challenge you to spend some time journaling, answering the following questions. First off, first question, what have I learned from how God has moved in my life during the good times? How and what have I learned from how God has moved in my life during the good times? Two, What have I learned from how God has moved in my life during the times of challenge or difficult times? Because he's equally moving there. How can I learn from those ways God has moved in my life during the difficult times? Three, what are the areas in my heart that I need God to change that only he What are the areas in my heart that I need God to change that only he can? And finally, if we're going to talk about a partnership, that partnership that leads to promise, what actions in my life do I need to change so that I can become a light to others through the story that God is writing in my life? What actions in my life do I need to change so that I can become a light to others through the story that God is writing in our lives? And then finally, lastly, next week we're going to come together as a church. And always when we start out a new year in January, we talk about what is the life verse going to be? What is our life verse going to be for the coming year? And as you start to spend time in prayer and in God's word, seeking out maybe a verse that God wants to give you for the coming year, I pray that you also pray to God to give you a verse that will help you connect to the story that he's writing in your life. I pray that he will give that as a tool to you to remind you of the power that your story has. Because I want you to hear as you leave today Your story matters. It's powerful. It's a way to people's hearts like no other. And we're not meant to keep that story to ourselves. Let's share what God's doing in our lives. Let's be a light to others so that they can know God maybe for the first times in their lives. May their lives be changed like only God I encourage you to embrace that story and see what God does with it in 2024. I believe it'll be a year like you've never experienced before. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Mm. We thank you, Lord, how you love us so very, very. Lord, thank you how you give each of us a unique story, Lord. You're moving through our lives in ways that only you can, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll give us opportunities to be a light and share that story with others. May the lives of others be forever changed, not by what we say, Lord, but by what you're doing through our lives, Lord by the story that you're writing in our lives. Help us to look at this coming year as a way to be drawn closer to you than we've ever been before, Lord. We pray that you will move through us, through our church, through our community, Lord, in bigger and more powerful ways because we need more of you, Lord. We want more want to be connected to that story. We want to share it with others. Thank you, Lord. We love you now. As we close out this year, we thank you for the blessings of this year and we look forward to where you lead us next in the coming year. In Jesus' name.